Hello, I'm Tony Carter, lead pastor of East Point Church. And for the past eight years, we've called the city of East Point our home as we've sought to point people to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. And during our time here, we've shared church space and met in civic centers and in schools. But now God has given us a gracious opportunity to have a place that we can call our own. Currently, we are under contract for a church building and are raising funds for the down payment. And normally we don't ask for donations in this matter, but this is a unique and a wonderful opportunity for us. And so if you are so inclined, uh, we ask that you would partner with us in the pursuit of our vision for a permanent home for East Point Church. If you would like to give, we invite you to visit our website at epointchurch.org. And there you will find a tab directing you in how you might be able to give in support of us raising the funds to obtain this church building. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you for partnering with us in advance. The preached word this morning comes from Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. And the word of God reads as follows. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who was loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a litek of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, have you wondered, and many of us have because many of us know, but for those of you who have not, have you ever wondered what life would be like without video, without movies, how life was before the television, the smartphones, and the internet? Some of us have lived in that existence, but most of us have not. And yet this was the life lived in the world of the prophets. It was a life without all of those modern advancements in communications and the modern luxuries that we have today. And we we tend to take these advancements and indeed these advantages for granted because like fish in water, we swim in it. We live in it. We breathe it. It is hard to imagine life without video. Really is. Today, if we want to know something or we want to learn something uh, or we want to teach someone something, what do we do? We send them a video. 
We say, here, plop in this DVD and watch this. In a sense, beloved, that's what the prophets are. The prophets are God's video. When God wanted the children of Israel to know and learn the love he has for them, he sent Hosea. And he said, watch this. Watch this. Live and in living color. It's chapter 3 of Hosea, showing forth the matchless, incomparable, and indeed inexplicable and undeniable love of God for his people. Chapter 3 is just five verses, as we've read very short chapter, and yet it contains in microcosm, if you will, the whole of Hosea's prophecy and God's word to his people. In this short chapter, we have chapter 2 through chapter 14 enacted for all of Israel and for us, therefore, to see. It is a drama most remarkable. It is played out in in three stages, as the hymn writer would say, redeemed, restored, and forgiven. That is the nature of our God's love. Redeemed, restored, and forgiven. By the time we get to chapter 3, Gomer is gone. She's gone. I mean, she's gone. Mentally, she's gone. Spiritually, she's gone. Physically, however you want to take the word to mean the word gone to mean she is gone. We have seen in chapters one and two Hosea's marriage to Gomer has spiraled. Out of control. And even if it did start, and maybe it did start in a good place, by the time we reach chapter 3, Gomer's unfaithfulness and infidelity has become the scandal of the land. She has forsaken her covenant with Hosea and is now living in open rank sin and perversion. Her adultery and sexual prostitution has become well known. She had left Hosea, you might remember, and the children. And now she is the full-time property and perhaps even the sex slave of another man. Nothing could be more shameful. Nothing could be more demoralizing for Hosea. And yet, Gomer's actions, as we understand, is 
but a miniature reflection of Israel's infidelity to God. Amen? Like Gomer, Israel has prostituted herself to other gods. She had indeed sold herself into idolatry. Her sin was well known among the other nations. Her spiritual adultery was both sickening and shameful. For she had indeed also, like Gomer, forsaken her covenant with God. And like Gomer, had become an unfaithful wife. She had left her husband and hurt shame. And yet it is into this context, beloved, into the context of this inexcusable infidelity that God again sends Hosea. And like a videotape, he sends Hosea to the nation and to us this morning and says, watch this. Watch this. This love of God. Threefold aspects are so unmistakable throughout the scriptures are summarized for us in these five verses. God's love is redeeming. God's love is restoring. And God's love is forgiving. God love forgives, beloved. See that in verse 1, don't we? And the Lord said to me, speaking to Hosea, Go again and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other God and love cakes of raisins. We see here, beloved, at the outset that there's some remarkable things about the love of God. And the first one is that in this love being forgiven, it is forgiving because love says again. Again. The first thing that God said to Hosea is, go again and love a woman. Go again. Now, again is important. Again is important because again reminds us that there has been an offense. Something has gone wrong. And it says to us that God nor Hosea is blind to the offense. It says to us that there has been a hurt. That there has been a severing of the trust. It says to us that there has been a hurt in this offense and that God nor Hosea is ignorant of the offense. Now, 
says that we are not talking about ignoring sin. We are not talking about sweeping sin under the rug. Again says that this is a place we have been before. Again says that there were lessons that apparently were not learned. And yet, again says, then, that forgiveness is necessary. Again says, you've loved before. You can love again. Again says that you've trusted before, you can trust again. That again says that there was a time when love was rich and devotion was true. Again says love can again be rich. Love can again be Again says you've loved once, and you can love again. This is so important, beloved, because if you have never heard God say again, you hadn't been listening. You have not been listening. How many times I have heard the Lord say to me in my sin, Tony, you've done it again. And how many times have I heard the Lord also say, Son, come again. Come again to my grace. For my grace is greater. And all your sin. We have an again God. That's what he says. Every Sunday, he says, come again to the table. Come again and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come again to the waters. Come again to the waters and drink freely of them. Come again without money and without price. Come and be satisfied in my love and forgiveness. Come again. Come again to the That are still yours. Come, come, come again. We have an again God because love says again and again and again. 
But not only does it say again, that love that says again takes action, doesn't it? God not only said to Hosea to love her, but he says, go and love her. Go, go, go. Notice he tells Hosea to go and love Gomer. There is no sitting around and waiting for Gomer to get right. Hosea, you go and get Gomer. Why? Because Gomer is too far gone. She is too far gone. Beloved, this is not some momentary lapse in judgment here. This is not some one-night stand. This is not just some fleeting motion of passion. But the Bible says that she has given herself over to sin. She was in the possession of another, and this activity was an ongoing present reality. Which reminds us here that God love moves toward the beloved. God's love comes. It doesn't wait for the beloved to move toward him. Because you can't. You can't. And true love, therefore, is the aggressor. It always is the aggressor. How do you know who truly loves? They are the aggressor. A true love doesn't sit back and wait to be loved. True love produces love. If you and I waited for God to love us before, or we wait, if God waited for us to love, uh, waited for us to love Him before He loved us, there would be no love, beloved. If He waited on us, there would be no love. His is a love that produces love. And that's what true love does. So what the Bible says? For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't say, oh, wow, the, loves, the, the world so loves me, let me give Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. Is that what Romans chapter 5? Or 6 through 8 says, For while you were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet in bondage to sin, Christ died for us. While we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ 
died for us. In this, the Bible says, is love. 1 John 4 and 10. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The song I learned when I was a young boy, and I still love to sing it, says there is a name I love to hear, and I love to sing its words. Sounds like music in my ear, sweetest name on earth, oh How I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Redeeming love, Lord, is a forgiving love. God's love forgives, and it says, God delights to love again. It doesn't just forgive, it also then redeems. You see that, right, in verse 2? The Bible says, Hosea said, so I brought her for 15 shekels of silver. And a homer and a litek of barley. Beloved, the depth of Gomer's depravity and ours is shown here. She had not just fallen into sin, she was like Paul says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 sold under sin. Like you and like me, sold under sin. And God says to Hosea, go and buy. When Hosea was told to go and love, he understood what that meant. That meant go and buy. That meant go and purchase. He had to go and find her, and when he found her, he was to give whatever was necessary to have her back. Whatever it cost, you pay it. He had to go and he had to find her. Why? Because, beloved, To love simply with eyes and to love simply with heart, but never with hands, is a questionable love at best. Hosea's love for Gomer is going to cost because true love always does. Always does. And no love 
is more true than redeeming love. Redeeming love is costly, beloved. Hosea must buy her back. And there was a price to be paid. Gomer had to be purchased. Purchased. Her sin had led her to debt. Her sin had led her into bondage. And the debt and bondage she was in, she had no hope of escaping from herself. We're not told. We're not told in the text to whom the payment was made. Perhaps it was a pimp. Perhaps now she was in the possession of a pimp who was selling her out. And in order to get her out from under him, Hosea would have to pay him. Perhaps it was the temple. Perhaps she had become now a temple, a prostitute. And there at the temple, sacrifices and offerings were being made in order to have their way with her. In order to get her from the temple then, sacrifices and offerings had to be made. Or perhaps she had been sold into the possession of one who now had her as his own concubine. And in order to get her released from him, Hosea was going to have to pay all that he had invested in her welfare, in her clothing, in her care. Whatever the case, beloved, the point here is that the one to whom the debt is paid is not important. What is important is Hosea scraping together whatever he could find, a little silver here, some some grains of barley there, whatever he could find, scraping together until he had enough to pay the price for his beloved. And you really don't know what the price really was. Can't really tell. But whatever the price was, Hosea was willing to pay it for his beloved. Why? Because she owed a debt that she could not pay. And in love, he paid a debt that he did not owe. The debt of her sin was much more than she could bear. She had no way of extricating herself out from under it. And here is the 
amazing and even awful reality of it, the longer she lived, the more indebted she would become until that debt would be too much and it would ultimately kill her. Beloved, the Bible is clear, isn't it? You and I were purchased with a price. First Peter chapter 1 and 18 says, You and I were ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver and gold or barley or raisin cakes, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Do you understand that the church of Jesus Christ throughout the ages is a church that has been purchased, bought, redeemed, ransomed from up under a debt that we could never pay? Such that, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus, by his own blood, ransomed the people of God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. This is what God says. I have blotted out your transgressions, Isaiah 44 and 22. Like a cloud and your sins like mist, return to me, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. This is the reason Jesus came into the world, beloved. He came to redeem us. He came to buy us back. He came to give his life as a ransom for ours by canceling, Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 14, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, nailing them to the cross. This is love. This is the love of God on the cross. Love came. On the cross, love came and purchased us. On the cross, love came. And what Adam lost, Christ regained. And what sin cost, Christ has fully paid. Can you imagine? Gomer walking out with Hosea and realizing, Hosea, you paid it all. You paid all I owe. And then being reminded, is that not the song we shall sing? Throughout all eternity, Jesus, you paid it all. 
Lord, my sin had left a crimson. Wow. You washed it white as snow. Yes, that's what love is. It doesn't just forgive. It redeems. You see in the last movement here that this love also restores. It restores, beloved. This is the work of God in the lives of his people. He doesn't just forgive them of their sins. He doesn't just redeem them from their sins. But ultimately, the goal is restoration. Restoration. And I said to her, Hosea, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore, belong to another man, so will I also be to you. And he goes on to say, afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Hosea here, my brothers and sisters, does not just buy her back, but he also brings her in, brings her back into relationship with him. He buys her from sin, and he doesn't just leave her out in the street. He brings her back into his household. Her licentious and lustful living will stop. For Hosea will guard her. Hosea will protect her. No more will she play the harlot. No more will she give herself to another. Hosea will be with her. Which reminds us, verse 4, what God will do with the children of Israel. Reminds us that God will strip them of everything, good and bad. They would have no kings, nor would they have any more sugar daddies. They would have no more sacrifices foreign and no more sacrifices faithful. God would strip them of everything except often, beloved, we don't realize that God is all we need until he brings us to the point where God is all we have. Gomer didn't realize that Hosea was all she needed until she came to the point where she realized that Hosea was all she had. Israel would realize, beloved, that God is sufficient. 
I am left to wonder in the question this morning, when will you and I ever come to realize that God's love is love enough? God loves love enough. This is why our lives go sideways, beloved. Our lives go, our lives go sideways oftentimes is because we don't realize that God's love is enough. We go seeking and wondering for love in all the wrong places, in all the wrong ways, at all the wrong times. And every time, and every time in God's graciousness, he brings us back to the reality, God's love is enough. And it's not hard to find. As we learned and discussed this week in our home fellowship group, God is not hiding. He's not hiding his love behind his back. He has displayed his love for all the world to see. Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God because God desires his people to know him. He desires his people to be where he is. And he's not hiding. He's not hiding. Israel shall seek the Lord. And when they seek him, guess what's going to happen? They're going to find him. David said in Psalm 34 and verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Because he's not hiding. No one honestly seeks the Lord that won't find him. Jeremiah 29, again in verse 13. You will seek me and find me. That's what God says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, he says. And when you do, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to restore your fortunes. Why? Because God is not hiding. You seek him in your whole heart. And you seek him in the right places. You'll find him. He will be found by you. And he will restore you. You know what our Redemption really is, beloved. It's really a restoration project. That's what it is. It's a restoration project. I've done restorations before. I've restored a kitchen table. You see it now, you wouldn't believe what it looked like before. <laughs> Professional, these hands. Some of you have restored homes. You know what it is to restore cars and furniture, and cabinetry. God 
He restores lives. God restores souls. However, however we talk about salvation, beloved, however you want to talk about it, do you know ultimately it comes down to God's restoration? What was lost is now found. What was blind now sees. What was broken is now fixed. What was dead, he has now brought to life. That's what he does. He restores your soul because God is in the restoration business. This is the message of Hosea. It is simply that, beloved. Don't play hide and seek with God. Play return and seek. Return and seek. That which seems irreparable, beloved, by the grace and mercy of God can be repaired. The relationships that seem irreconcilable by the mercy and grace of God can be reconciled. Those situations that seem like they are beyond restoration, that they have rotted and gone and been left to themselves too long, in the mercy and grace of God, restoration is possible. God loves his people. And if you would return and seek him, he will restore you. You know how God restores, beloved? Do you know how God restores? He restores in such ways that people will hardly know. That there was ever, ever rottenness there. You come sit at my table, you would not know what that table looked like before. I have been in homes that have been totally restored, and they show you pictures of before. And afterwards, and you cannot believe you are standing in the same place. If you knew me before the Lord began restoring my life, you would not believe you were looking at the same person. I know marriages that I have counseled with. And sat before, and after the first session, I said to myself, there is no way. They are done. Put a fork in that one, Lord. And I have seen those same people today walking hand in hand in love in the restoration of God. I 
I know a man, beautiful man, Christian man, highly respected man. His wife got involved with an extramarital, same-sex relationship. Small town, everybody knew it. She would leave his home and go to this other woman's home. They'd be seen around town. And every night she'd go back to his house. And everybody knew what was happening. And it was the gossip and the talk of the town. And he wouldn't leave her. He wouldn't put her out. Every time she'd go, he'd welcome her back. Someone asked him once, how do you do that? He said, that's my wife. And I love her. To get away from it all, they moved. They moved to a city, a bigger city, and perhaps, and they got other jobs, and perhaps this would be in their past. But lo and behold, it wasn't. Every opportunity she got, she went back to that small town and spent days with that woman. And every time she would come back, and every time she'd come back, to my amazement, he would welcome her back home. This went on, beloved, for several years. And through the prayers, the mercy, and the grace of God, began to break the heart of that woman and to begin to restore her love for her husband as she's seen the love he had for her throughout those years. Last December, November, I think it was, they celebrated. 54 years of marriage. And you look at them and you would have never known it. Because what God restores, He restores completely, beloved. He's still in the restoration business. There is no life here that has gone so far that God can't restore it. There is no relationship here that has gone so sideways that God can't restore it. There is no mind or heart here that is so given over to sin that God will not welcome you back and restore you to right relationship with why we sing the song, don't we? Redeemed, restored, forgiven through Jesus, God's precious Son. Heirs of His throne, 
in heaven. Oh, praise our partner, God. It's what he does. He redeems. He restores. And he forgives. He delights to do that this morning. 